Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. I'm just going to walk over here and get my fancy pulpit from Ikea, I think. You know it's from Ikea when it works for about two weeks and then falls apart. I'm sorry if you're Swedish here. I wasn't meaning to offend your heritage, but but it's true. I think there's a set of Allen keys back there and some extra bolts probably from when this was built and nobody knows. Isn't that what happens when you build something from Ikea? You're left with like 16 Allen keys of different sizes and 19 bolts and frustration and anger. And um, it's part of their, their market research actually to keep people coming back. It's like golf, right? You always remember the best shot of the day and forget everything else that made you wanna go bonkers. And so you just keep coming back to the course and you just keep going back to Ikea because you believe that you will overcome and master uh, the setup and instruction, but you won't. And that's, sorry, that's just the truth. I was thinking uh, last, I don't know, this just turned into a comedy show here. (laughs) Let's just keep this train rolling because uh, last night when I was just doing some some reading and some study and things like that, um, I just felt like God was asking me this question and it's the question I already asked you today. What is following behind you? And I felt like God clearly asking me, I was listening to that song we just sang and I was studying and and reflecting on a few things and I just felt like God saying, what is following behind you, Andrew? In your life, is it chaos? Is it frustration? Is it disappointment? Is it uh, broken relationships? Is it all of these things? What's following? Or is it goodness and love and mercy and kindness and peace? And I think that's the question he has for us today. The problem was immediately when he said that to me, a picture came to my mind, a picture that I, that I took a few years ago. And uh, as soon as I heard him say, what's following you? I thought of this picture, and uh, this was probably five years ago. And uh, my dad, uh, who is also uh, a pastor here, Pastor Herm, if you didn't know, um, uh, was with us on a Canada Day parade day. You don't even know that I'm about to do this, but this is gonna get real, real fast. It was a Canada Day parade, and Eli was a few years old, and, um, and my dad was walking along uh, the downtown parade route, and he had Eli on his shoulders, and we have a picture of that there, yeah. So that's Eli and, uh, and Grandpa, Grandpa Schatzi, which is, which is German for sweetheart, so Grandpa Sweetheart. And, uh, and so they were walking, and it was a beautiful sight. It was just, uh, it just was enough to make your heart melt. But then when we talk about like what's following behind you, when they walked past me, this is what I saw past me. <laughs> This is the best picture ever. I'm going to just move out of the way so that you can see some of it. 
So literally, as I was studying last night in Starbucks, when God said, what's following you, that picture came to my mind. And that's one of the best pictures that I have of my dad. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I just thought, that's Pastor Herm. And, um, and it was just a, such a funny, funny moment. But it's a, but it's a serious question, and, and we can have fun with it and, and all of that. But it's a question of what is, what is characterizing your life? And as we've been looking at the life of Jesus, as we've been kind of investigating this, this dual nature of Jesus, where the Bible calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah, but also the lamb of God, he carried himself in this way that, that seems like it's diametrically opposed, but it's not. And Jesus had this way, we talked a little bit about it last week, he had this way of, of carrying himself in such a way that, that he, wasn't, he wasn't buffeted by, by the changing circumstances of life. He wasn't uh, thrown for a loop when things changed around him, when there was when there was pressure externally, when things weren't going well, when, when there was expectations on him that, that he couldn't meet or manage, when, when there was fear all around him, he had this way of just walking in peace and gentleness and life. And, and we talked a little bit over the last few weeks about, about the source of that. And the source of that was his spiritual life. The source of that was his connectedness to his father. That that was the, the thing that, that set the equilibrium in place for him to sustain the pressure that he was under externally. He walked in this perfect balance of living a life of a spiritual lion and strength, and power, and authority, but carrying himself with gentleness. And we're going to take a look at another scene in his life. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to the New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter 14. I've just been um, just sitting in and reflecting in this for a long time. We're going to start in verse 22. So let me just set the scene in the context. Um, Jesus has just performed one of his greatest miracles. Actually, the only miracle that's recorded in all four gospels is the feeding of the 5,000. So they're in this wilderness location and environment. There's 5,000 men. So in, in the Bible times, they only actually officially counted men. But we know with women and children there, there probably were a lot more. So there's 5,000 people in the wilderness, sort of away from the, the city life. And he does this miracle where, um, you know, at dinner time they realize that there's all these people, but there's no food. And so Jesus feeds them supernaturally. They take what this little boy has in his lunch and Jesus is able to take this insignificant small offering and make it something supernatural. And so he's just performed this amazing miracle and it says in John chapter 6 that after he had performed that miracle, 
He was sensing that the people were actually going to, by force, take him and make him king and ruler. That miracle that Jesus performed was a clear statement of his divinity and his lordship to the Jewish people that would have been sitting there. They would have reminisced historically into the past and how God provided manna in the wilderness for them, how God fed Elijah with ravens. Jesus was saying, look, I'm the fulfillment of everything you've been waiting for. And so being satisfied, they've had their fill, they've been blessed. They're in a great spot. They're in an awesome spot. The disciples are amazed of the blessing and the provision of God. Everybody's amazed. And look what happens as soon as things are winding down. Verse 22 of Matthew 14, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake immediately. I think that what Jesus is about to show us and wants to show us is that not only does he want to walk us through seasons of provision and blessing, but he wants to demonstrate that he can not only provide for your needs and my needs, but that he can actually uphold us in the midst of the storms and the darkest nights of our life. So immediately, Jesus insists that word in the original Greek literally means to force. So here are the crowds and the disciples and they're going, no, 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 this is a good thing. Let's stay here. The disciples are like, yeah, Jesus, they're recognizing you. They actually want you to lead, Jesus. We're in a great spot. And Jesus says, no, we're not staying here. He actually forced them to leave that place of blessing and provision and go out in the night onto the ocean, not the ocean, onto the Red Sea. Not the Red Sea, the Sea of Galilee. Man, third time's a charm, right? So if you're not right once, just try it again and then keep trying. (laughs) Um, So... In the midst of that place of blessing and goodness and provision, he literally forces his disciples to step away from it. And I think there's this line and this balance that we need to walk as Christians and in the church and in our lives where, yes, it's amazing to, to walk in the blessings and in the provision of God. And those are good things. But there are also times when God actually leads us away from that into a season of testing, into a season that's intended to build our faith, into a season where his ability to uphold us is put to the test, where our faith is put to the test. And so it's not the enemy leading the disciples out into what will become peril. It's actually Jesus That's saying, I not only want to show you that I can provide for you, but that I can actually uphold you. Verse 23, after sending them home, which is the whole crowds, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. 
So this is where that equilibrium on the inside is, is developed and nurtured and sustained. Night fell while he was there alone. Verse 24, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Okay, I just want to stop there for a minute. In my mind, all through my whole life, I kind of pictured this, like this, this crazy storm just came up on the horizon, like, like there was clouds and lightning and rain. And then I read this again and realized the Bible doesn't talk about anything like that. It talks about just a windstorm. And in the geography of that region and that lake specifically has hills and mountains on the side of it. And there's an area that's right by that lake called the Golan Heights. And, and the fishermen know very well that out of nowhere on a clear blue sky day, a beautiful day, wind of hurricane force can come off the Golan Heights and make the water there treacherous to sail in. And so Jesus sends these disciples out onto the lake and this, this freak windstorm stirs things up and starts to actually wreak havoc with them. And it says that, that they were working, these professional fishermen who had been rowing boats and navigating the sea their whole lives are fighting against the wind. The Bible says that the wind was contrary, that it was literally pushing against them. They were fighting for hours and hours and hours against this unseen force. And Jesus is up there praying the Bible says that he can actually see them struggling. And he lets them struggle. He lets them fight. He lets them wear themselves out in frustration and tiredness. I believe one of the things that, that Jesus was saying to me, Andrew, your frustration, your tiredness, when you come to the end of everything that you can do, that's the, the perfect place for me to come in, in my strength, and do something in your life that you can't do for yourself. And so Jesus allows them to struggle and struggle and struggle for hours, rowing, but getting nowhere. Verse 25, about three o'clock in the morning, your Bible may say at the fourth watch of the night, if you want to do an interesting topical study, study about the fourth watch of the night through the whole Bible. The three hours between three and 6 a.m., um, there's incredible stories through scripture of what God does at that time of the night. We're not going to get into it, but it's fascinating. What happens in the fourth watch of the night. So around the fourth watch of the night, when the disciples saw, or Jesus um, came toward them walking on the water. I just want to stop there again. There's so much in here we could talk about, but this is the second storm encounter that the disciples and Jesus have lived through. The first one, he was sleeping in the bottom of the boat, and the same kind of storm came up and everybody was freaking out and, and, and panicking and he's sleeping and they call him in and then Jesus speaks to the storm and, and calms it. And this is the second time that they're encountering 
a, a violent storm that's threatening them. And what I love about this contrast is, is Jesus isn't found in the middle of the storm this time. He's on the outside of it, and he's not going to come in and silence it. He's actually going to walk over it and walk onto it. And, and this is the progression of faith that God is calling us to not only be able to speak to the things in our life in the power of Jesus' name and command them to be still, but to have the, the sustaining and upholding power of the word of God to walk right over the struggles and the storms of our life. And I love this imagery of Jesus as he's praying up on the hills, watching his disciples struggle. He, he walks right through the middle of all of this chaos and this mess and this fear. He walks right through the middle of it, on top of it, and calls out to them. When they saw him walk on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. And, and actually the original language word for ghost is literally, they thought that it was a, a, a demonic spirit that was sent to them. It wasn't just sort of like, it wasn't Casper that they were worried about here. This was actually them feeling like there was, there was a demonic force or spirit that was approaching them. And they're terrified. Do you, do you notice too, there's so many things in this. Do you notice that it never says they were actually terrified by the storm that they were in. They weren't terrified by the winds and the waves. They were frustrated. They were tired and exhausted. It wasn't that that was terrifying them. It was the presence of something that they couldn't identify. It was the reality that we, we don't live by the things we see, but by faith, it was the reality that everything in the physical realm has an attachment to the spiritual realm that we don't understand and we can't see, and so they were terrified. Jesus came toward them. They said, it's a ghost. Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Now get this, okay? So Jesus has just identified himself. He spoke in peace over them. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. I just wanna, I wanna walk through something that I've been learning in my own life as it relates to this very scene in the text. Because not only does Jesus want to teach us that he can uphold us, that we can literally walk and be upheld by the, the word of his power, but that there is a way that we can walk in truth and freedom. So in the, in the book of John 8, verse 31 and 32, if you want to just uh, pull that up there, in the book of John, it says that, if you were my disciples, you will obey. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful or obey my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The question is, how do we walk in freedom and in truth? 
A lot of us sometimes think that, that walking is, in truth is just the ascent of knowledge. It's the ascent of, of a greater capacity to understand. And while that's a part of it, that's actually the base layer of the foundation is knowledge. The base layer of our foundation in walking in truth is knowledge. And I want to show you three things, I believe, that three really practical things that, that, that we can actually lean on to help us walk in truth and in freedom in our lives. So this first one, notice again how Jesus identifies himself. And then Peter has that moment where he's like, I don't even know if I heard him correctly. Jesus, would you say again who you are? Would you identify yourself again and then ask me to come to you? And that first foundational piece to walking in freedom is to ask and be aware. To ask. When we pray, the first thing we do is we ask. Holy Spirit, what is taking place around me? And then we, we become aware of what is true. And we become aware of what is true when we understand and know what the Bible says, what the response of the word of God, what truth is over our lives. This is the, the base layer of what we need to walk in freedom and in truth is asking and being aware. Are you aware of what's true? of what God says about your situation, of what he says about your family, of what he says about your work environment, of what he says about what you believe about yourself, what you think about yourself. So Peter has this moment where he's asking God again, God, what, is it true? Is it you? And if it is, I want to hear your direction. I want to be aware of what you're asking me to do. I want to be aware, God, of what you're saying in my life. I want to be aware of what the Bible says about this. This is the base layer. I think, sadly, so often, this is where we stop. And we believe that somehow knowing about God or knowing the Bible is enough to sustain us, and it's not. If we're going to walk in the truth and that truth will set us free, there's a couple more things we need to do. The second part of that that I want to show you is to agree and accept. So first we ask and become aware of what is true. What is God's response to what's happening in my life? The second thing we do is we agree with and accept the truth. This is so important because this, this actually is a confrontation with, with our soul, with our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's our mind and our emotions and our will sometimes that stand in disagreement to truth in our life. And in spite of how you feel about yourself at any given moment, in any given season, if you're going to walk in truth and in freedom, you have to agree with and accept the truth that God is speaking over you. And so in this story, Peter accepts the truth. That Jesus, this is you. I don't need to be afraid. And you've called me to come. 
And the third part of it, the third part of this, this whole equation is that we need to assert and act. You could throw up that, that graphic if you want. So these are the three, and there's, there's more nuances to this, but these are three foundational principles that need to become a daily part of the rhythm of our spiritual life. That walking in truth and freedom over the storms of our life requires all three of these things. And the third one was that Peter asserted and acted on what God had said. Jesus says, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. I find it really interesting that it's through Peter's eyes and what he's seeing around him. It's, it's, it's as he looks at the waves around him, as he, as he feels the waves pounding against his feet, that he begins to be gripped with fear and anxiety. And sometimes it's not just the, the, the specific thing that we may or may not believe about ourselves that's true, but it's the effect of those things. It was the effect of the wind that caused Peter to begin to stumble into fear. It was the effect of the wind. It was the effect of the things and the circumstances around them that caused them to walk in fear. And sometimes it's not even the very thing that you're struggling with. It's not even the specific thing that's, that's going sideways or backwards or haywire in your life. That's the problem. It's the effect of that. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I've come to, to give you a life that is overcoming. If I'm for you, who can be against you? If you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. When we ask God to invade our life, to, to come and set things right, he does. But sometimes we get tripped up by the effects of those things. Even though the truth is that they've been dealt with by Jesus. We get tripped up by the effects. And so in this story, we see that, that walking in truth and in victory is not just a one-step thing, but it's actually three parts. Ask and be aware, agree and accept, and assert and act. So the culmination of all of these things is this. Peter shouted, Lord. And Jesus, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. In the book of John, it says when he climbed in the boat, the boat 
was immediately at the shore, supernaturally transported from that place of struggling and defeat and frustration and toil to a place of purpose and assignment and fulfillment. And so the question for you and I today is are we walking in truth and in freedom? Or is your life more mirror the experience of the disciples as they struggled against the wind? You know, the Bible says that, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that word opposes is literally like, it's almost like if you used a football analogy, Jesus puts on the equipment and the jersey for the other team and he stands in front of you and says, I'm not letting you by. This wind is going to run contrary to you guys until you learn this lesson, that it's my strength in you that is made perfect in your weakness that my grace is sufficient for you, that I not only want to provide for you, but I want to uphold you by the power of my word. Just one word, come, was enough to actually hold and sustain Peter above the natural laws of gravity. Why? Because Jesus was the author of those laws in the first place. There is nothing in heaven or on earth that is Jesus is subject to. There's nothing. The question is, are we willing to agree with what he said about us? And will we move from agreement to asserting what's true and acting on what's true? I really believe and the worship team, you guys can come up. I really believe that, that God has just been speaking to me over the last month or two about what it would look like for his kingdom to come in your life and in my life. What would it look like for us to walk in truth and freedom? What would it look like in our families and in our schools and universities and workplaces if we carried the presence of God and the kingdom of God in this way? So we come full circle to that first question. What's following you today? Is it disappointment and frustration? Does your life seem to be marked by chaos everywhere you go and broken and fractured relationships? By anxiety and fear and disappointment? Struggles with sin that you've just been stuck in on repeat for years and years and decades and decades that you just can't seem to walk out of. What's following you today? In spite of the, the pressure and the chaos all around Jesus, the evidence of the kingdom of God working in and through him was life and hope 
and peace and restoration and freedom and healing and deliverance. These are the things that God wants our lives to be marked by, not by chaos and frustration and brokenness, but by hope and freedom and life. Surely your goodness and love will follow me. I'm gonna invite you to stand. We have an opportunity as we close. If you need prayer for anything in your life, if you need prayer for freedom, for healing, for stuff you're going through internally or externally in your environment, if you need prayer for anything, we wanna pray for you and with you. And the prayer team, you guys can come forward and be ready. As we sing this song, when we begin to sing, if you want prayer for anything, please just come forward. I just wanna highlight one last thing in this Psalm 23. Have you ever noticed that it says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not when I stay in the valley, not when I rest in that valley, not when I'm stuck in the valley, but it's that valley of the shadow of death. God has given us the power to walk through it, not live in it. And so in your life, if you feel like you've been walking there and living there, living in defeat and chaos and frustration, you need to know today that the power of Jesus is available and for you to give you the kind of life that, that, that upholds you on the word of his power and in truth. That God wants you to have the strength to pass through the valley, but not to get stuck there. Not to die a slow death there. And so today, if you feel like you've been stuck a little bit too long in this valley of the shadow of death and you want freedom and deliverance, when we begin to sing, I just invite you to come. We're gonna sing this song through together. And if you need prayer for anything, just come. After we're done the song, you're free to be dismissed and to head out into the lobby. We have the baptism class coming. But I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna just ask the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do in us. So Jesus, we believe that you are the way, the truth and the life. We believe Jesus in your word that says, when you are for us, no one can be against us. We believe Jesus in your word that says, that you will never leave us or forsake us. We believe Jesus in your word that says, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are beside us, you are near us, you're in front of us and around us and behind us. And Jesus, your heart is to, to make a, a table for us in the presence of our enemies, those things that have been opposing us and holding us back. And so Father, in Jesus' name, we just invite your freedom and your truth here. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do the work that only you can do in our hearts and lives, that, that you would remind us of the truth of who we are 
and the kind of life that you've called us to. And in Father, in Jesus' name, we just take authority over anything that would oppose the purposes and the plans of God for anyone's life here. In Jesus' name, any influence of darkness, we bind you and send you to the cross for judgment. Any fear or anxiety or worry, in Jesus' name, we declare the truth that you haven't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of love and power and sound mind. We declare that over our lives and we ask as we come to your presence, Holy Spirit, that you would bring freedom, that you would just stir people even now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.